Welcome back to the TTG Podcast. We have someone very special in studio today. We have Julio from Casa de Vinas. I will not take up too much time because we need to get this rolling now. Let's go. And we forgot to turn off the fan. Whoops. Thank you, Jamon Green. Thank you, thank you. For those of you listening, my name is Colin Craner. I'm the winemaker at Nottingham Cellars. I am one of three East Bay OGs at the helm here at TTG Podcast. I got my co-host next to me, Mr. Jason Montero. Whoop, whoop. Who is becoming bilingual with this wine, apparently. Ooh, we're learning some things today. Yes, we are. And then, of course, the one, the only, Mr. Sultry himself, JTM, Jeremy Turn True. Turn off the lights and let's drink wine, babe. Welcome back, guys. It's good to be here. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, boy. Before we get too far, we got to do what we always do. Uh, thank you, listeners. Everybody out there tuning in, it means a ton to us. Uh, this is kind of a small, organic, locally focused podcast show that we've created to get the word out about the real talented folks here in the Valley. And we really, really appreciate everything you're doing, all the feedback. And uh, if you want to reach us, uh, the best way to get us is on Instagram, TTG underscore podcast. A lot of fun content. And, of course, we've said it several times, we will check these emails one day. But uh, if, you, if, you, if you must, through the grapevine podcast at gmail.com is the best way to get us. If you got something a little longer than the gram will allow. Okay. Uh, we are going to introduce our guest here in just a second, but I wanted to plug a couple future guests coming up. We have actually been having a ton of fun talking to a lot of the talented folks here in the Livermore Valley. Got a couple more coming up. Heather McGrail's around the corner. Nikki Wente. Uh, the TTG podcast has actually uh, been invited to participate in the Taste of Oakville. So yes. we will have some coverage of the Taste of Oakville. Yes, we're talking Screegle. Super Sun, excited. Which is going to end. Jeremy, it's been a long road, but this man delivered after some shaky. It could have it got ugly. But the guy, right The guy got us dialed. So with all that said... That's the future. Let, this is now. We're talking to the one, the only, Mr. Julio Covarrubias. Welcome. No, no applause, guys. Jeez. Right. There he is. Thank you for having me here. I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm here. Hey, we <laughs> appreciate have you. you being here. And you know what? It's, you always are whimsical like that, but then you come with the real wisdom. I, I like how you soft sell the wisdom, Julio. That's always been something I appreciate. So. Okay, Mr. Julio, you are the senior vineyard manager at Wente Vineyards. Uh, you've spent uh, how many har harvests at Wente now? Uh, this will be my 46 harvests. Wow. 46 harvest people. This wow. guy's seen some things. Um, obviously, you weren't the senior vineyard manager 46 years ago. Um, and, and before that, you have a story to tell as well about where you came from, when you moved to Livermore Valley, your time at Wente. Um, and then which ultimately led you to the opportunity to buy your, your 20 acre vineyard down here in Livermore Valley. So you're such a compelling, uh, friend of mine, Julio. I really wanted to do as much as I can to just let you talk because, uh, that's, that's ultimately what the people are here to listen to. So that's why I'm here. If you, uh, if you don't mind, go back as far as you want and just kind of tell us your journey of young, young Julio to, uh, discovering Livermore Valley and your passion for wine and, and ultimately how that led you to where you are today? Well, my family, we came to 
California in 1967, and we went our first place where we live. It was uh, Winters, California. Okay. We lived there for about a month, and my father he said there is uh, no future here, so we moved to French Camp. We lived there for about three months, and he said the same thing. <laughs> and then we moved to Tracy, and he said, we are going to stay here, and if we want the grass to be greener, we're going to have to make it green. <laughs> so, and uh, we got stuck there in Tracy. And, and then he came and worked a little bit for uh, Cresta Blanca one year. Really? And wow. Then, I did not know that. And Holy then smokes. he went and worked for Francia. Did Franzia have some Francia, grapes in Livermore or Tracy? No, Francia in, in Ripon. In Ripon. Yeah. Okay. For jo Joe and John Francia. Wow. That was uh, in the early 70s. Very cool. Yeah. And and that's what I started working on when I was 14. I come from a family of nine. So we were having a big problem trying to find a place to live for the whole family. It was a big family. Yeah. And there was a little bit of discrimination. So my father had a uh, family reunion, and he told us, you know, if we want to get ahead in this country, we all have to pitch in and work and, and, and buy our house. Mm -hmm. So wow. at, at the age of 14, I came out of school, and, and I started working for Francia. We were there for three years until 1973. And then there was a little dispute between labor unions, Chavez and Teamsters. And uh, my father said, no, we need to get a job. We, we didn't came to this country to be in the middle. Yeah. So, because he had a big family, so he had to work. So <laughs> Yeah, nine, So we were kids. working here and there for a few months. And then uh, one of my father's friends, he applied to work at Winty. And it was the first Monday of uh, January 1974, the day before he called my father and he said, I was uh, I'm supposed to show up to work at Winty tomorrow. I don't want to go. I don't want to drive. And if any of your kids wants to go, and I told my father, I go. I was only 17. Wow. And that's how I got a job at Winty. Ciso uh, Aguirre, who was the vineyard manager, uh, I told him, you know, I'm not the person you're expecting, but I'm here. And if you want to hire me, I'm here. And that day, it was cold, rainy, and snow. <laughs> so that day, we only worked three hours. <laughs> so you wow. came uh, came over yeah. the hill and got three hours. Yeah, three hours. And I have been there at Winty since then. Wow. That's amazing. What was the first thing you did? Uh, we were time vines. Time After vines. the pruners, we were just time vines, and then little by little, we were doing different things. And so, was this January, February? It was January the seventh. Okay. Wow. New year. New, new year. New day. New everything. Wow. There's another man, and uh, uh, I know he's been there a long time. I, uh, he must have started just around the same time, uh, Mr. Ted. Yeah, he started on May. In May, same In year. May, same year. Wow. So the, uh, for those of you listening, uh, Ted and Julio, I think, are the longest tenured employees currently at yes. Wente. Not, yeah. not with the last name, Wente. Yeah. Is that true? Well, there is, uh, there is two Wente families. 
Okay. One is the one that has the last name Wente, mm -hmm. and the other one is the Wente Vineyards, which includes all of us, all of the people who are part of the company, that, or the family. Uh, that, that's uh, that's amazing. And I'll say, as a, as someone who buys fruit, you know, I'm a, I'm a customer, but I feel like I'm part of the Wente family, just being here in the Livermore Valley, uh, with the Wentes at the helm of a lot of what's happening and. And, uh, you know, the future of the Valley, you know, Luente certainly have a lot to do with what's going to take place here and obviously a, a big name of the past. So, um, well, there was there was some definitely some in between that uh, first snowy, rainy, cold day here in Livermore Valley to, to now. So tell us about, you know, the next five years and then what happened after that and some of the things that you've seen happen here in the Livermore Valley. Well, the, uh, the Livermore it's a beautiful place to live, and I believe that we are super privileged to be living not only in this country, not, not only living on the best state, California, but on the best region in California, Livermore. Go. Man, and there we go. that's what makes Livermore, Livermore. And we cannot compare the region to no other region because Livermore is a family-oriented community. Mm-hmm. Wow, I, I agree. And some of those words are, are exactly what drew, drew, drew me and my family here, my father and I. And, uh, and what's, what's kept us here was working with, with you and, and folks with that same kind of family mentality. So we'll definitely get more. But before we get too far into your Wente story, uh, what are we drinking here, Julio? You got a few wines, but let's start with wine number one. What do we have in front wine of us? Wine number one is uh, 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 2010. Cabernet Sauvignon that my best friend Club Boba made. Uh, he made uh, he used to make one barrel of wine, and so I could share it with people, friends, family, and so and this one he made it so people can see what the vineyard can do. He was helping me trying to find customers. Nice. You're one of them. Hey, I know. I became a customer before this wine was fermented. Okay. Yes. But I did have some Claude, some Claude, yeah. uh, some Claude, uh, some, yeah, little teases from yes. Claude for sure. Yeah. So, uh, cool. Um, we hope to have Claude on to talk about this wine. Maybe we could get him on one day. Um, yeah. but, uh, going just back a little bit where, uh, so you started at Wente, you're, you're tying vines. It's post printing. Yes. What do you I got was, going on from there? I was, I was single, uh, and that day and that, and that year, 19, 74 and and then in, I got married in 1976 mm -hmm. in in, eight, in 1981 I was thinking to change of career or work for something else somebody else really and my father was working at Winty okay. so when I went to the interview uh, they offered me almost double the money that I was making at Winty. In those days, I was making $3.37 an hour, and they offered me $5. Wow. That, that was Who was good. this? Uh, or there another, was another another, another company in, in Tracy, Okay, and I was so excited. And, and my father, I was married by then. I had my two kids, and my father asked me, how did I interview when I went great? I had this big offer. And he turned around and he looked at me and he said, what are you planning to do? And I said, I think I'm going to move. He said, why will you move? This is your passion. This is what you love. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get old. I'm going to retire. 
I'm going to die. You're going to get old, and you'll be working for Winty. Your kids are going to grow, and you still be working for Winty because Winty is a family, and there is a, a lot of respect in this family. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, he convinced me not to go, and uh, that was the best thing I ever done. Uh, it took me about two weeks to yeah. get over it because, you know, it was, I was just thinking. And, yeah. But, uh, That's 80 bucks, 40 times two times right. two. But I was, I was so, so happy, and I was so happy to have a family and a father that he was really looking after me from the mm-hmm. bottom of his heart. So that was, that was, that was something that uh, it was great. I knew that if I obey, it would be better for me. Yeah. And he meant well, and it has been better for me. I'm very proud. Wow, that's amazing, Julio. I've known you 10 years now, and I did not know your your father was a Wente yeah. uh, alum right. as well. Man, so that's just amazing. adds to the lineage right there, man. Unreal. Yeah, I Jeez. started working uh, in January. He started working in February. Really? And wow. he worked there until he retired. Wow. When did he retire? Uh, I don't remember the year, but uh, he retired as soon as he 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 got the, to the age of retirement. Sure, gotcha. Wow. So, okay. So you started. Pops uh, uh, convinced you to stay on. You had an opportunity to go make a few more dollars doing something else. Um, so then, you know, what kind of took place from there? Who are some of the people you met? And uh, you know, how did how did how did you go from a guy tying vines to the guy growing some of the best Cabernet and some of the best Bordeaux varieties and Petit Syrah the Valley has well, going Winter, right now? Winter was a small family business operation. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, when you work for somebody like that, you end up doing different kinds of work all year round. Mm-hmm. I was working in the winery, working wherever they were redoing the plumbing in the winery. There was, there was a lot of things going on mm-hmm. up to now. Yeah, and uh, it, it it was nice to be able to work side by side with the Winties. W- through all of these years, I worked for four generations out of the five. Wow, mm-hmm. crazy! Yeah. So, so who was who was like at the helm? Who was vent- who was number one for you? Who was the first? I guess the, CEO my first generation. Yeah. my first generation uh, Winty was Ernest Winty. Ernest, wow, yeah, and then. And then I worked for his uh, son, Carl. Mm. Carl with the C. Yeah. Yeah. He, C or the K, I don't remember. But oh yeah, there's, but, two, uh, there's three Carl. Every Saturday, in the summertime, I was assigned to help him in the winery. We were doing the plumbing. Really. So I was working next to him. It was, you know, you don't get to, to work, with the owners that close, hard work with them, and I still remember. Uh, that's amazing. So Ernest, then Carl. Yes, and then Phil, Eric, and Mr. And, and Caroline. But most of my time I spent with Phil, working with him. Phil, uh, out of the three of those, they're 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 all brother and sister. Yeah, two brothers, one sister. Correct. Um, Phil's probably the the more vineyard focused. Yeah, out of he was three? the vineyard focus. Okay. And uh, there was times where we worked side by side. Yeah. Uh, his grandfather's house. Redoing the barns, painting the barns. I mean, he was uh, he was assigned to help us. That's uh, I always I, the first time I met Phil. You know, you'd think you're, you're we're a small winery coming into Livermore Valley. We're meeting people. You just hear about the Wentes. I don't yeah. think I met a Wente. It took a while. 
Um, but like, you know, Phil's a well-known guy, uh, yes. not only just Livermore Valley, but a California wine guy that people recognize his name. Phil Wente has done some things and he's, you know, helped, uh, you know, with the South Livermore area plan and uh, obviously been a big guy, a catalyst for the region for, for a lot of things. But the first time I met him, I was dropping off lab samples at the lab and this guy pulls up. I don't know. It's Phil at the time. He's in a flatbed truck. Yes. Hops out. He's got shit kicker cowboy boots on, huge belt buckle, tucked in white shirt. White. And you're just. And then like someone said, "Hey, Phil." And I was like, "Is that Phil Wente?" And I like I stopped what I was doing. I went and shook his hand. And I like, I remember like taking it all in and like you know had my like I was like a celebrity moment. Like I was like I just saw whoever, right? You know. And uh, I got in the car and I was like. Dude, Phil had like cowboy boots on and hopped out of a 91 Chevy flatbed. Like this is what? Like, and so to, to your point of just like, we just got some real people here that you're out in the trenches working with. It doesn't matter if you're, you own 2,000, 2,500 acres or you're a guy that's uh, tying, tying stuff on, you know, tying vineyards. Um, and I think that that Wente mentality really trickles down into the Livermore Valley. And it, it's kind of the, the reason why we have such a communally driven town focused on, on, on seeing things grow. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. He still drives the truck. I know. <laughs> See him around town sometimes. Yeah. So, um, so tell us about working with, you know, obviously you got the Phil, Carolyn, Eric era, um, yeah. a lot of changes in Livermore Valley. What yes. was going on in that time? Well, there has been a lot of changes in, uh, through the years. You know, in the wine business, there is always, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years of mm -hmm. very productive years, and then the market goes down, and before you know it, there is a bad year, and, and we have gone through a couple of those bad years. Mm -hmm. It was hard to survive, but uh, we did it as a team, as a family, and, and I'm still there. You're still there. So um, what are some of the things that, that like specifically you would say like Ernest, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Phil, Carolyn, and Eric, uh, like what was the general feel around the winery at that time versus like now you've got Carl with the K, uh, fifth generation or sixth generation? Fifth. Fifth, yes, I always get that. Fifth generation. And then uh, his cousin Nikki and some of the other young folks. Um, so you know is it all do you feel like it's just been a pretty natural progression from from uh you know Wente to Wente. Wente to Wente? well every winter has been moving things to another level yeah uh i mean we didn't have the golf course we only had we were farming only about 700 acres now we're farming about 15 1600 in livermore a thousand in arroyo seco and we still have another you know four or five hundred acres that we can plant more grapes mm -hmm. yeah so things have changed we have the golf course now we have concerts we have uh, uh, a destination where people can come and spend all day mm -hmm. and have fun from the morning to the end of the day if and I th that's actually you bring up a point which um, is important to extend upon just the, like I think Livermore started with just general you know winemaking agriculture farming Um, and you talk about what else the Wendy's have done in terms of making it a hospitality destination, really adding some complexity, um, some versatility to what the wine industry can do. Um, and yeah, just, yeah, I think it really, it really highlights just like the beacon that Wendy stands, um, stands as here in the Livermore. Um, you know, you can't give them enough credit. Um, and they've built them, you know, similar to what Colin's been doing for the past three, four years now and building a tremendous team. The Wendy's have built around tremendous people, um, like yourself. So. 
I'm going to. Uh, the team's a little smaller. You, you know, you're you're on your way. You're on your way. You're on your way. It started. Yeah. It started with the few, right? So. That's. I'm sure that's true. And the winters, you know, they have been there for the neighbors. Uh, Phil Winter, he worked really hard on the South Livermore plan, getting all of these 20 acres parcels so people can come and have their own vineyard, build their home, have their own winery. You know, that's how Woods started there, run the Woods. There's a, there's a lot. A lot of them. I mean, yeah. and, and, and that is huge. You know, they were just looking not for themselves. They were looking for the whole valley and conserving the land for the future generation. That's that's huge. You don't hear that in, in yeah. other regions in California. So Livermore is very unique because it's more than just a wine region. It's, it's more like a, a family and thinking about the future generation so they can enjoy yeah, I, and I think, you know, Wente, you know, preaches sustainability. That's a big word around Wente and the word that we're using around here at the podcast a lot because there's some there's some challenges that, that we face here. Um, but if it wasn't for some of those efforts, I'm going to go back a little. You mentioned the South Livermore plan. I said something earlier about it. For those of you who don't know, this was a, a program put in place uh, to preserve agriculture here in the Livermore Valley, the South Livermore area specifically. Um, so down where the went to, you know, Tesla and mm-hmm. every, the heart of the Livermore Valley. Yeah. So basically, um, this was a provision put in place, um, for, as development was booming here, right? It's, you got a hundred acres. That's, that's, you know, what? 200 homes. Mm-hmm. That's some easy dollars for you. Right. And there's tons of people that were sitting on a ton of land out here. Um, what uh, Phil was instrumental in this, uh, the South Livermore plan was basically a program put in place for every acre you developed, you had to plant an acre of agriculture. Mm-hmm. So if you popped up 20 acres worth of homes, there's a 20 acre, you needed to plant 20 acres of either, you know, you could plant walnuts or prune, you know, pears, whatever you want. But uh, obviously with Livermore Valley, grapes being the main export here, the big product that we grow here, um, that's really what propagated a lot of these 20 acre parcels and is responsible for a good chunk of the acres planted in general out here. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, this would be a region very much like Santa Clara, where uh, you know long history of growing wine grapes and putting out wine uh, was just overtaken by it's 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 easy to make some money growing some houses. It's yeah. hard to make some money growing some grapes. So that's a uh, that's a, that's a good tie-in right there. It's uh it's pretty cool to see that happen and and really honestly uh, Nottingham probably wouldn't be here uh, for for some of those things and certainly some of the small producers uh, you mentioned Wood family that twenty acre parcel was a piece of that I think McGrail's cut was a piece of that Darcy yeah, Kane all the stuff they were talking them, about yeah. doing on Tesla in fe- was your property a piece of that the twenty acres yes it was because that's kind of if you like as the bird flies it's just yes. sitting there so. Um, that, that, that's an easy tie-in. So Julio, you, you're, you're telling your, you know, multiple generations of Wentes. We're going back a little bit. Uh, um, when you had, uh, you had the opportunity to buy uh, a piece of property that you, you now live on and farm, and that's the Casa de Vinas Vineyard. Um, that's obviously, you know, our, our, our first home here in Livermore Valley. It's like kind of where it all starts. The majority of our volume comes from Casa, um, can you tell us about just uh, how that happened a little bit and uh, what you've done, you know, with what you acquired to, to what you have now at that site? Well, when I was 17, when I started working at Winty and having the memories that I went through my family, you know, to to find a place to live, it was it was 
it was a big problem. Mm-hmm. So I promised myself that I now, you know, I promised myself, Julio, you're not going to go through that. And so what I did in in that year in 1974, I was 17. I bought my first house. I saw this house for sale, so I went and knocked at the door and I asked the lady, Are you selling your house? She said, Yes. And I told her, I would like to buy your house if the price is right. And she said, You want to buy the house or your family wants to buy the house? I said, No, I want to buy the house myself. And she was really surprised. And Mm-hmm. And I had about thirty percent of the of the value of the house in for down payment. Wow! And she was really surprised, so, and that's how I bought my first house on a handshake. In uh, a handshake, Holy and smokes. then I got married. And after I got married uh, in nineteen seventy six, and then uh, my wife and I we we both worked so hard, so we were buying a house like almost every year, one every year and a half, one. As rental properties. Uh, we buy them pretty much down, and we fix them up, and then we rent them. And then we took a break for one year, and then I buy another one. And when the opportunity came to buy the 20-acre parcel, uh, we sold 10 units in Tracy. Wow. Six properties with, with 10 units. So that's 10 guaranteed rent checks. Yes. Assuming you're doing your job as a landlord, yeah. um, I was I was making money, a lot more. That was that was uh, renting properties is good money. Absolutely. Rents never go down, mm-hmm. and they always go up. And if you do your homework, you find the right rentals. You're good. If you didn't do your homework, uh, you'd be losing. Were your properties all in in Tracy, or or so your first purchase in Livermore was no. the parcel? No, all my properties were in tra- in Tracy, uh-huh. and then when I heard about the twenty acre parcel, mm-hmm. I I walk up to the Winters and ask him how much they were want. Uh, it took him about three months to give me the price because <laughs> I wanted to buy the property, and you know they were thinking where is he going to get the money? <laughs> you know that's a lot of money, and, and, yeah. and they used to tell me, you know, that's a lot of money. I know you, I know you like the property, but that's a lot of money. And and then I said, yes, just give me the price. And then and then they told me, well, they are half of the property have venue, the other half doesn't have it. You, if you buy the property, you need to plant the other the other half because that's part of the uh, of the conservancy plan. Yeah. And I said, just give me the price. <laughs> so when they finally gave me the price, I told them, okay, I'm going to buy it, just like that. Wow. And I went and talked to my real estate friend, Nancy Shoemaker, and I told her, everything is for sale. Wow. And wow. I sold all of, the, all of the properties in one week. Wow. <laughs> she did, and I sold them at a very, very good price. It was not yeah, it was very. Yeah. I was you very happy. Yeah. Yes, it took a little while to close some of those deals, mm-hmm. but it was not because of me. Yeah, but uh, I was able to come up with the money. They only gave me about ninety days to come up with the money. Wow, and it had to be a cash deal, Mister Julio. That is insane. So I just, wow. you know, just getting to the point of making three bucks an hour, working in fields, doing those things. To just get the thirty percent for your first property right there, that's that just I mean, that to me is is incredible in its own right, right there. And then to have like the wisdom to go propagate these properties that are gonna give you secure 
secure money, right? Make your family life easy. Well, I'm sure Marta was loving this at this point. Well, we were making good money on the rentals, you know. Yeah. If I had those rentals right now, you know, you're talking about fifteen, sixteen, to twenty thousand dollars every right. month. That's nice, that, and probably properties that are well paid off. And, yeah, they right? were they were paid off. Yeah, so and, I mean, yeah, some tax money, but other than that, you're talking. Straight and I up. don't make that kind of money in the vineyards, you know. I, but it's it's the love right. for what we want. That's know? that's where I was going with this. Is is you were able to turn down? You know, I'm sure you could look to the future, and like you said, you knew yeah. rents would be going up. Yeah. And that, but you made a decision to ultimately follow your passion and 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 come back. You know. Tie it full circle to who you were working with, where you were working, this the Livermore Valley and the Wentes. Um, and uh, so you acquire this property. And, and against all odds, in an extremely crazy situation, what year was that? Uh, that was uh, 2002. 2002. Okay, so you, you got it the— It was right after the 9-11. The whole economy kind of was shaking. Gotcha. So while maybe a good buying opportunity because the economy, but you also had to sell your your existing properties in that same the economy is good. landscape. Yeah, everything is good. The economy is bad. Everything is bad. So it was just a it was a, a decision making, mm-hmm. and some of these decisions they were not easy. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I we look at ourselves and, uh, and both of us. Yeah, we said, uh, "Are you are you ready?" She said, "I'm ready." I said, "Okay, we're going to go for it." Wow. Marta, oh yeah, she is a saint. Yeah, Marta is uh, man. Julio and Marta, they just kind of to me personify why I love Livermore Valley so much. And you know, the things that really get me excited about this are like just people that mm-hmm. start, you know, start with almost nothing or nothing, or you know, started from the bottom and just scratched scratch and crawled their way to the top and to where they are now and, and, and success. And, and you and your wife have just what a cool story yeah i just That's like every time story. i hear that it, it just makes me so happy to hear from what i've heard it sounds like she's a, you know also in the in the business of hospitality man she sounds like she's yeah. just you know bring you into the home cook for you just oh, just like yeah. you know hospitality well, you said the business though the one part of that is she doesn't charge you right so you yeah. come in and you're eating and just drinking, giving yep but you know sometimes i'll leave a five you know but she doesn't just, know it uh-huh. she'll, she'll find it one day Oh. <laughs> yeah. what, made, what made you i mean it seems like you you had security you had all your properties life was good i mean i mean i know you have a passion but what what kind of set you on fire that i need this vineyard well one of the one of the things that i always had in my life is it's hard for me to say no if i want something i'm ah, going to say yes okay and if it goes if if it, if it goes sour well, you have the opportunity to make put a little sugar and make it sweet. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And and I you know it. and that's what we did. It was not easy. The first three years, we were not making not even a penny on the vineyards. So, not even a penny. I was doing the pruning. My wife was behind me tying. Wow. And uh, we did uh, most of the work ourselves. Wow. It was not until we planted the other ten, the other eight, eight acres. Mm-hmm. of Petisera and then a little by little money start coming in a little bit and but we used to do as a family we used to do most of the work that's wow, uh that's, that's amazing 
And that little 20 acre slice, I say little, I, I have zero acres in my belt. So, um, <laughs> hey, you just, you're a new homeowner over there in the <laughs> yeah. You got yourself a little parcel. Yeah. That's a, a sliver of an acre, but, uh, <laughs> no, we're, which I'm grateful for. Don't, don't, don't downplay that. Um, but you know, you, the one thing I love about Julio and your, your property is every single year, and this is actually important from a phenolic development and a, and a quality of fruit development, you're the first guy to get in and prune. You're the first guy to mow the property. So when people drive by, it, it, they, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, the, when, the, when the season's on and we've got everything and everything, you know, buds have broken and we're starting to tie wires and, and we're starting to do everything, uh, you go and tip and top everything. So when you look down those rows, everything is of uniform height. You got your full fist per, you know, shoot position. And it's just immaculately manicured. And while, while that's just beautiful and you have that sense of pride, um, I truly think that those, that's what makes your vineyard so special. Like from a, from a fruit delivery standpoint and just being beautiful, your sense of pride, um, mm-hmm. You, you you happen to incorporate a nice chunk of frontage road, a, a very visible property when when visitors come to the Livermore Valley. They, um, it's a showpiece, so, man. Right. So and if you're driving along Tesla, sometimes you look at some of the other vineyards that are not looking so pretty. Um, so that's one thing that I just, I you know, tell us about, you know, why, why do you go to that extra length to make sure that everything is dialed and it's pretty? And why do you go to the extra length to make sure... You know, uh, customers are happy and, and everybody's working together for something good. Well, I come from a different culture. Uh, my academic skills are not very high. And I want to make sure that I'm not going to be embarrassed. <laughs> and that's why I do it, because I don't want to be embarrassed. They say, I don't want nobody to think like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing or he, didn't, he doesn't know what he got into it. I want to make sure that even if I don't make money, I just want to make sure that whatever we have is it shows some respect, especially for the people who are buying my fruit. I want them to to see that I'm really making the most I can do my effort to deliver the best fruit as possible. Mm-hmm. And we we as a customer appreciate that. I feel like we're we're more in a customer. It's it's a partnership with uh, with 100%. how we work together, Julio. Um, but I, you make it easy, man. You make it so easy because. I, I I mean I've been I've seen some of the things you've done in investing. Sometimes you invest and then you just take that money right back out. The cross arms we put in the Petit right. Syrah that one year. So uh, Julio is a guy that uh, again I don't know how much that costs, but it definitely took away from your returns the next year, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in the whole intention was to actually probably reduce yields, reduce vigor, and grow better fruit. And it maybe didn't pan out as how you how you had hoped. So you ended up pulling those cross arms out. So we had like two years where you invested in the sticks, the people that put them in, realized it wasn't something that was working. So invested to have people pull it back out just to get the back to sea level. And, uh, you know, that's how we get better is by experimenting and trying new things in the vineyard and in the winery. And uh, that, that just that that pioneer spirit and, and you're still learning. Um, I think that's what makes you such a great teacher and a great mentor for the folks out there is you're still a student of the game. And I don't think you need to be a scholar by your definition, which might mean, you know, time in school and, you know, master's degrees or those sorts of things, mm-hmm. because you're a student every day out there. And yeah. and I know that you get out there and you're, you're about learning and getting better every single time. So well, one of the things that I have in my mind all the time is that 
if you believe on something, you know, most people, they wait until the neighbor do it. Mm-hmm. Or you go out to another region to see what they're doing. If I believe on something, I'm going to put my two cents on it. And that's how I'm going to learn when it's my money. Yeah, you're a get it done type of guy. Yeah, right? get it done. And and if it works, good. If it doesn't work, yeah, at least you try. Mm-hmm. You're fully invested in everything you do. Yeah. Um, I just wanted I wanted to touch on it. Um, and I, you know, we're we're well into the episode and we're rocking, man. This might be a state. Put your seatbelts on, guys. We're going to keep going because this is a, a a real treat. Um, but I want to make sure we spend some time on it because. While we're looking to build a bridge and a platform for a lot of the hospitality, Livermore folks, Livermore ends as we like to call them, um, I do want to, you know, we do want to touch on, you know, where you're from, who you are. Um, you're a Mexican-American who's come to America and quite literally helped define what the American dream is in a period where the American dream was still being defined. So for me, that's, I'm, I'm sitting here just like, this, like I said, the, the 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 name of this episode is "Shut Up and Listen" for a reason, um, and I'm just taking it in. But um, I, I do want to hear you spend a little time talking about that, why that's important, because there's a lot of people. Whether you use, however you choose to use it, um, there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this and look at you as like you know, and, and looking to draw inspiration from another Mexican American who has done great things. Um, and yeah, I like so. Yeah, I mean. That's the question. I mean, just speak to that a little bit, that pride. Um, well, in in 1967, we, f- we first uh, crossed the border. Uh, we came through Calexico. Calexico. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we we crossed the border, we went to the Greyhound Station. Mm-hmm. So my father, he got a little family reunion there, and he told us, uh, you are in the United States now. Mm-hmm. I hope that you take advantage of this country by educating yourself or working hard to make an extra dollar. Mm-hmm. But I hope I hope that none of you become welfare mm-hmm. members. He said we have to appreciate the hospitality of this country. Mm-hmm. And he told us that this country has not only hospitality but it has mercy. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do if you really if you made a mistake you tell you tell the judge, you know I feel bad for what I did, and you will have mercy. You don't have this mercy in, in no other country of the world. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing that got stuck in my family. And so we did everything we can to to be better persons, mm-hmm. to become partners in the progress of the country. And... And that has been the goal for not only for me, for a lot of a lot of my friends, uh, my family, and everybody in my family. They own their own house. Yeah, yeah, as they should. So, in relation to building a community, um, you know, as your family, as uh, you know, as a, a Mexican American, kind of you know, living up that American dream. Can you speak to the community that you've like influenced? I mean, have you have you brought in people? Would you say from other countries, from Mexico, to you know, to live to maybe you know to America, to live more specific to, you know, to take the chance, take the risk. Um, you know, have you just you know just kind of curious to that? You know, of a few people that you may have inspired outside of the three you know three gentlemen in the room right now. Well, what I tell my friends and my coworkers is that, you know, um, money. Some people say the money 
is time. Mm -hmm. Time is money. And at the end of the day, if you work eight, nine, or ten hours a day, that's eight, nine, ten hours of your life. Mm -hmm. So you have to have respect for what you do, for the work that you do. And if you just go and waste the money, Mm -hmm. you're wasting your life. Mm -hmm. So what was the purpose to come to this country? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we come here. Sometimes you have to work double than other people. Sometimes sometimes you make half of what other people make. Mm-hmm. But that's not an excuse. You have to uh, look at the mirror and look where you want to be, and you need to take the steps. Mm-hmm. If you're afraid to get your feet wet, you're never going to swim. You're never going to be in the other, in the other side. Mm-hmm. So we need, we need to to really wet our feet, see how much pressure is under your feet, Mm -hmm. and and think if you're going to be able to cross it. Hell yeah. It's one of the main reasons why I wear Crocs. Wow. That's fire right there, man. Damn. So, <laughs> that is, just take a deep breath. That there. is, uh, we need a moment for knowledge, that, Knowledge, huh? folks. It's hard to knowledge. not get inspired so, hanging out with Julio. Okay, so how about this? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stab. Do I have, do I have a moment, Colin? Go for it. Yeah, we have time. Do I have a moment? You got several. Yeah. Julio, don't laugh at me. Okay. You ready? Ready. Listo. Is this what I think it is? Más importante. Okay. Cuando comemos comida mexicana, pozole, camarones, qué vino quieres? Deliver more. When you eat Mexican food, it's very hard to find the wine for the Mexican food because of the spice. That's why I asked. So when you drink wine, you have to drink it for different reasons. Mm -hmm. One of them, because you love the wine. Mm -hmm. One, you have to drink it because it's for you. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be sharing the wine, you have to make sure that you have to make sure that there's a little bit of pride, not an embarrassment. (laughs) So... And then you can share it, but not because of the food. You share it because of the company. Mm-hmm. So depending on the company that you have, it will be the wine. And hmm. before you know, the food becomes in second place slowly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers your question, but... It does. But, but uh, some Mexican food has a lot of spice. Yep. And pozole, a lot of spice. You know, I know uh, a good wine for that. So, so the the wine be it has to be for you, not because of the food, not yeah. because of the pairing. Maybe some Eric Chardonnay. Yeah. Oh, my wife loves Eric Chardonnay. Yeah. <laughs> we all love Eric yeah. Chardonnay. Dude, and, and and one thing about the wine, you know, there is a lot. I I hear people and I, people ask me questions. You know, this wine goes good with this food. This food for this wine. When you buy, when you're in in the store, you buy wine. Are you really thinking on pairing the food? I usually do. I know you do too. And if you're in the restaurant, are you really thinking about finding the wine for that food? Sometimes we make, uh, we eat, sometimes it takes extra time to decide what we're going to eat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We can. Uh, the one cool thing I, I can make anything pair when I'm hanging out with Julio. I'll, I'll I'll eat whatever. Everything with, goes with, with the wine. Petite Syrah. We're good right. to go. Yeah, that's good. Cheers. Um, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. So what is this we got here? Um, I'm so actually very, very Julio excited. Julio is uh, still on uh, Claude, uh, but we've. I just figured for the sake of just trying a little bit of everything, we jumped into your 2009 Casa de Vinas Petite Syrah from Nottingham Cellars, mm. the black label, and then we'll follow up with the white label of uh, 
same wine, but just a reserve the tier. reserve tier. I'm trying to remember like back if we picked it. two different days. Is that what it was? We, yes. We let one hang like a week later or something like that. Yes. That was it. That was the difference between the regular and the reserve. That is correct. When we give you a, one brick, brick and a half, yeah. it changed a little bit of the flavors. But then on the wine making, you had to do something different, maybe different barrels, different knees. I, I think it was better barrels. I think we just kind of knew. We were like, all right, it's bigger. Let's put better barrels on it. And that was, at, at it was your first year. To, yeah, it was year one. But uh, this brings me back to the first time I – well, actually, the first time I met Julio was up at McGrail Vineyards, and I happened to be up there. It was right around the time my, my family and I were exploring Livermore Valley. We did some bottling up at McGrail, and at that time, my dad and Jim were good buddies, and uh, you know we wanted to buy some cab from McGrail. They didn't have any, and we didn't know anybody in Livermore Valley. And Jim made the connection with uh, my dad and the Craner family and Mr. Julio. So uh, I met Julio in the tasting room. I remember always it was in the far left side on the far, I guess that would be the north corner. Um, and uh, we met and I said, hey, we're looking for some Cabernet. He said, yes, I have Cabernet. And I said, okay. So I'm going to, I was like, when do you want me to? And so we, we arranged a meeting. I came down there uh, after work, some t- like on the next week, I want to say Monday or Tuesday afternoon. It was actually, it was August, late August. It was kind of overcast. It was kind of a weird day weather-wise. And uh, I remember, so I, I go to the vineyard, and I am i don't know anybody or much about wine. Um, but I get there, and Julio is shining some glasses, standing outside waiting for me. And he's got a couple bottles on the table. He goes and pops one, throws a corkscrew in his pocket, and then throws the back one in. You know, and this is as I'm driving up. And so I hop out of the car. He's like, all right, let's go for a walk around the vineyard. And so we start walking. He pours me a glass of wine. And he's just, Julio at this point is like a larger than life, like wine mecca for me. So I'm just like, just taking it all in. He's showing, you know, why they prune when they prune, why the spacing is where it is, why the fruit zone is all level, why the height of the vineyard is all uniform, why the crop zone looks constant throughout, right? One cluster per shoot, one shoot per position, all the things. And at the time I'm like, okay, this doesn't make sense to me other than, you know, this guy's a pro, so I'm going to take it all in. And, uh, we're getting around through the Cabernet, uh, and which was what I came there to talk to Julio about. But then he says, you need to try some of the Petite Syrah. And so we're tasting fruit as we're walking. And I remember just tasting the fruit and, you know, we're maybe four weeks before harvest and just the flavors alone. And then you're looking at the fruit zone. It's just beautiful, you know, large clusters, you know, but but very consistent. And for Petite Syrah, the yields were, there was more fruit on the ground from Julio's Verasian Pass than there was hanging on the vines. Like, and so, you know, like some of these things that you hear, oh yeah, drop fruit, like some of the keywords. Um, and I just remember leaving there and I was like, this is the guy. Um, so... It, with it, it, we we ended up picking Petit Syrah from two different uh, the same same block, but we waited one week to let one hang. And I remember while we thought we were going to be the cab house, and that was the route we were going. I remember the Petit Syrah was definitely the showstopper of the vintage. It was the wine of the year for us. The 2009 Petit Syrahs were probably what drew most people to Nottingham Cellars early on. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. This wine is beautiful. This 2009, by the way, it's still got a ton of fruit. Like the first thing I, I 
I remember just being like big, black fruited, rich and dense, and it's starting to brick out a little because it's ten years old. But well, when I first smelled it, it was kind of almost savory, a little bit of like black pepper kind of spice. But the more I swirl it, it's just now it's just this voluptuous, it's just dark, rich, huh? velvety fruit. Yeah, I mean, just just so much going on still, and it's what it's it's a decade old. When this thing was in its youth, like in like I remember barrel splashing this for people, and it was just like black viscous rich dense thick wine like it, it was just meaty meaty rich stuff so julio thank you for sharing these these well yeah this is i don't, I don't think we, we have any more at nottingham we yeah. just did a reorg i don't i don't think i remember i don't remember 2009 yeah when we did everything and we still have the other one the white label yeah i'm excited about that that is uh that was the one the the black label we we're always proud of we love both um we always thought the black label was probably like of the two petites, like the more food friendly, kind of classic red wine, whether whatever that meant. Um, but the the reserve petite, I, we were just like the stuff was like just dense. Yeah, this is the one that won the double double gold medal at uh, Finger Lakes in New York. That's right. That was the first medal you got. It was my first medal, and it was that I was, was your very first medal too. Yeah, uh, actually. That one was... got 90 points, too, from Wine Enthusiast. And, and like, even... at the time, gold medals, double gold medals, and Livermore weren't really happening. And 90 points were pretty good. That was not happening either. If you get 90 points these days and all your wines, you're good. Yeah. No, so, man, that is so funny. I'm so happy you remembered the Finger Lakes competition. Yes, Unbelievable. It was a competition out of 2,000 wines. Yeah. I remember sending that off. I remember the whole thing. That's uh, it's hard to believe that was ten years ago that we were yes. walking in your vineyard, trying to you know getting to know each other and meeting. Um, Julio's been you know such a mentor for me in a lot of ways, uh, more than just wine growing, and wine making and, and the wine culture. But there's been some times in my personal life when I've been able to reach out to Julio and just get some you know, just a sound perspective and. Uh, this is just a man of, of much wisdom, um, but I wanted to. I wanted to. We talked a little bit, you know, about the Wente family, your time with them, and then ultimately getting the to get the vineyard. And then we kind of fast forwarded to my time in two thousand nine. But tell us about what you, you you acquired this piece of land, which was in one condition, and then the time I met you, it was in another condition. So, what well, was some of the work involved in getting that vineyard? To where it is when we got the uh, when my family brought the uh, bought the property uh 10 acres were follow land and half of it was with Cabernet Sauvignon uh 12 feet spacing eight feet between vines and it was just a lot of waste and there was only about you know 600 vines to an acre wow. and it was hard to to, to get some before, some good yields before you go too far 600 vines per acre what what would you call a standard how many vines per acre in a in a normal you know nine by five or whatever or well, no, five by six or normally now uh a normal would be anywhere from 1000 to 2000 vines per acre depending yes. on the spacing so 2000 on the high density side yes. 12 to 1500 is kinda... yes about 11 1200 you know yeah and uh, the right spacing for me is five by eight five feet between vines eight feet rows and that's enough to get any tractor there and um, if you go narrow you have to use narrow equipment mm -hmm. but uh, for sunlight air, air, air flow 
I mean, it's it's a good spacing. Yeah. So you uh, you t- you took the vineyard, um, and then how far? How long before you planted the petite Syrah on those eight fallow acres? Well, uh, it took me uh, uh, it, it took me two years to plant the petite Syrah. Okay. So when I was talking to my wife, and we were thinking about you know we're going to do petite Syrah, and and we need to buy vines for this, you know, for the fallow land. Mm-hmm. So I told my wife, I think we're going to spend extra money, and we're going to replant in between vines another vine. Yeah. Most people don't want to do that because it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So I did it. This has been working. <laughs> That's uh So that that the move from 600 to 1200 vines per acre. So the first thing you did was plant you know, we're talking about on the vine, the spacing right. in be- just know. between the two vines put another vine. Wow. So it became 4 by 12. Okay, so it was twelve by eight. Yeah. Wow. That was the that, that was normal in the seventies because all, all of the equipment was was or? it was it was wide and that's what they believe. Okay. And and then there came other uh, other types of style like mm-hmm. Scott Henry, uh, the the Scott Julio, Scott Julio, and <laughs> and everything else. And and then uh, about six seven years ago, that's when I really noticed that we were just wasting a lot of space. So then we put another road in between. Mm-hmm. That's when I called you and I said, what would you want? That's I'm right. going to plant something, and if you want something, we're going to plant, and that's, that's when we had another road in the middle. That's uh, Nottingham and, and Colin Craner and myself. We, yeah. are the, we are the beneficiaries of uh, Julio just you know being willing to try some things and, and put himself out there, so... Um, the you know to put that in what we're actually the beneficiaries of is several clones of Cabernet Sauvignon, right. some mm-hmm. Cabernet Franc, Malbec Merlot, Petit Verdot, and Carmenere. Carmenere, let's go! Man. Yes, the only Carmenere in the region, I believe. Did anyone has anyone planted it? No, I haven't. I haven't yeah. here or see any. It's any a, other it's one. a really. small piece, admittedly. Um, Carmenere is like Iguodala. It's that six player. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we forget about six Iggy. Man, you know. Yeah. 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 Most most people don't believe Final on that because they think is Merlot. The French went to Chile and they find out that it was not Merlot, it's Carmenere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little bit different. It grows pretty much about the same, but the flavors are very, very different. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It actually has provided us a very unique opportunity at Nottingham to uh, um, produce an amazing rosé of something different. You know, mm-hmm. um, We wanted to work within the Bordeaux set, so we naturally felt like Merlot, Cab Franc, of all the five noble, probably you know probably fit the rosé spectrum best, um, just off gut feel. Um, but we you know partnered with you to to farm the Carmenere and the Merlot blocks this year specifically for the rosé program. So hang a little more fruit, something that could be a little more driven right. by acid. And uh, I don't know if have you had the rosé yet? No, I haven't. It's we'll fix that by far, and I'm not. This is our best rosé we've produced yet. It is just beautiful. Honestly, uh, you know, it, just like you, it's a journey, right? So, like, if you're one, I think we started maybe a little on the ripe side, and then we kind of got a little too lean, and then we got a little too whatever, and then the market does what it does, and we have to make some changes. Um, but uh, this is the first year where we, like, kind of, like, took a step back, and we're like, let's focus on the quality. Oh. Let's get the right grapes. Well, this so. is the opportunity for you to be unique. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's making 
rosé from different varietals. Yeah. You know, I have seen uh, rosé, petit Sorat, rosé, cabernet sauvignon, rosé merlot. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna be unique because that's that's what's gonna make you unique. That coming here yeah. and the merlot. It's and there is not that much Merlot. There is only two rows of Merlot. Just a small piece. So that's enough for what you for what you need for your program. Exactly. And the the petite Syrah thing. I've had someone suggest we take some of your petite Syrah, and make rosé out of it. But uh, to me, that'd just be a waste of that petite Syrah because well, it's so mm, good. It would be very <laughs> it would be very fruity <laughs> yeah. and maybe a little bit too sweet. Yeah. 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 And I don't know if that's the flavors you're looking for. Exactly. I think what we got is a good thing. Yes. Don't change it. Now that you're unique, stay there. Stay unique. Ah. <laughs> we got to get wrapping up here pretty quick. Um, but I had a couple things. Um, and you know, there's so there's actually quite a bit. Would you ever? Would you come back on if we decide? Or do yes, we want to run this a little longer? I think this episode is worth being a little longer if we have the time. I know. Yeah, we got the time. Okay. I have Are the you, time. You I have mean, the time. I'm okay. 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 So. I just, you know, you talked about, you know, the things you planted this petite Syrah, and then you, you've done some things in the in the Cabernet block, which is now a full blown Bordeaux block, right. producing all five Bordeaux. Um, so those varieties to me mean a lot. Um, I th- maybe because I work with you and they're so important to you, but but I think I have the ability to look beyond that. Um, what do you think? The Livermore Valley's strongest foot forward is as far as grape variety and style. What kind of, what, where do you, like, you know, you think Napa, you think Cabernet, you think Sonoma Coast, you think Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, even though Sonoma County is growing pretty much everything. Um, but when you think about Livermore Valley, what do you think people should be thinking about? What should people come to Livermore Valley to drink? Well, Livermore Valley, Valley if, if you really think about it, is like music. Okay. Uh, Tell us more. If you, if you think about tango, you're mm-hmm. going to go to Argentina. Okay. If you think about flamenco, you go to Spain. Mm-hmm. And uh, and opera, there's places where you can go for opera. Livermore is very unique. Okay. And the minerals of the soil, the climb that makes Livermore a very unique place to grow grapes. We It's going to be hard to grow really good Pinot Noir. But it, grow, it, it grows great Cabernet Franc. Great Malbec. Mm-hmm. It grows way, uh, very good Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. It grows uh, good uh, Merlot. I mean, that's what we have. And our soils, the minerals, are helping. Right. And so Livermore has to be very different than other wine regions. And that's, that's it's like music. Very unique. I appreciate that. Um what, you left out one. I think that's important. What do you think about the cab coming out of Livermore Valley? Oh, Cabernet is good. It's, it's different than the Napa. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I say it's better or less? Because uh, for of us. the mineral. For us, it's great. I right. mean, it's good. Uh, there's nothing to be embarrassed, and there is a lot to be proud of. I agree with you. You know, and not only, you know, Winter making a very nice cap. Stephen King, you're making good. Uh, McGrail's. A lot of our friends are making great wines. I think that's I think that's really what's important is, uh, you know, I, I agree with you that the, you know, we could grow some really good Chardonnay here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think varieties like the stuff in the Bordeaux set really, really grab, you know, what this, this valley is all about. 
And the cool thing about that is um, when you go to other regions and you see some other things, um, like, you know, I, I learned yesterday, I follow at Sam Vivant. Uh, she's, she's got a really cool Instagram profile, uh, but she had, she was just at this, uh, uh, this trial study that was talking about pruning. And then anyway, uh, right after that, uh, she visited Farniente and this is like, you know, kind of one of the things that I've, I've, you know, kind of been preaching is just because one thing is marketed doesn't mean it, it needs to be the, the, fo- the whole focal point all the time. So Farniente, I don't know if you know this makes six times more Chardonnay than they grow Cabernet Sauvignon. So I was shocked to hear that because when I think Farniente, I think Cabernet House, I think Napa Valley, classic Napa Cab, right? Um, but just because we're a cab region or a whatever region doesn't mean that we can't have ancillary play. That's, that's, that's you know, important to the market. So we're, you know, where I think, you know, what's great about Livermore, we do have a diverse soil set, diverse set of microclimates to, to grow different things. Um, I think it's important for us to grab a variety and market this thing and take it to the, to the place. So to me, the cab is, is so important just because we have so many people actually doing a really good job with it. Right. And I think it starts with the people, the so. people, the soils. I mean, there's a lot of gravity, sandy soils. We have hills They mm-hmm. have proven to be, I mean, great producer like sack out. I mean, produce great, great, uh, cab. Uh, we have, uh, we have, uh, the golf course producer. The Wedmore is huge. It's good. Right. I mean, the evidence is here. Yeah. And, and we are going to be unique, different than any other regions. And people have to know us because of Livermore. That's San Francisco right. region, Livermore mm-hmm. appellation. Very cool. Can I? Uh, Go ahead. Just want to, just, yeah, I don't you know what, shoot. Just want to talk, you know. Just want to talk, talk, talk to Julio a little bit. Talk to Julio. He's here. Um, <laughs> I'd love to, I you know, just kind of, a, like you know, like we always like to throw a few layups up there. Um, but just kind of, what does Julio like to drink when he's, not, you know, you're a serious guy. You've been serious for over 40 years about this industry. But when you're relaxing, when you're chilling, when it's the rare Sunday, you got a day off, you're hanging out with Marta in the vineyard. What do you know? What, what what do you like to like just sip on? What's the what's you know what's the wine or what's the beverage that we don't really know about that that Julio uh, enjoys drinking? Just hanging out with. Well, at the beginning, I was drinking. Uh, I really like the big big petits or big wines. Mm-hmm. And as uh, my wife and I, we have been getting older. We have been changing. Okay. Uh, we like uh, uh, rosé. We like yeah. chardonnay, mm-hmm. and we have so much of that mm-hmm. that. Uh, there is a lot to choose from, mm-hmm. and and then reds. Now we are drinking reds a little bit uh, uh, late, late night time. So all right. So, but you're pre- predominantly a wine drinker. Yes. Yeah. We might be. There might be maybe, maybe three days out of the year that I don't drink wine. Yeah. So, well, I'm, well, I'm kind of curious. What are those days? <laughs> when uh, sometimes you know, you just busy. You have too much uh, other too things much to, to do, do yeah. and then. And, and, Those aren't and planned days off. Boom. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, ah. you travel, you just. Well, but now that we have you on the show, um, Collins brought it up. We've we've poked at it. I, 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 is there any way we can see your cellar sometime soon? Can we do an, Can we do the second Julio the episodes in your cellar? I've Julio? heard so much about the basement. I've heard that like yeah, you want to. You so, have to be. You have to be thirsty. 
Hey, hey, <laughs> that's that's that sounds like TTG. I've I've started thirsty in the in the basement. <laughs> And I've woken up in Julito's bed. So, um, it's it, it it is uh yeah, it's definitely a real thing. It's uh the basement to me is is so it's just I don't I don't think I got down there. It took a while. It was after I think PS I love you. Yes. Or something like that. It was one of the big events. Yeah, it was when we took the party bus with Claude and Claudia yes. and, and uh Oh, I thought you meant you guys just watched the movie and Yeah, and I was like, basement. Hold up, you get it. Uh, <laughs> like, Say more, please. What do you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, man, Jeremy, you just you just had like damn. a movie night and then went down just like <laughs> no, hot. It was, no, it was a, it was so, just a nice. PS, we were we were having a nice time and we were just you know talking, having a great time, and before you know it was. We open one bottle and another bottle and another bottle. There, there's two basements in Livermore Valley. Carl Wente has one too yeah. that I've been in, where it's just like and Julio's. It's just like a history treasure trove, mm-hmm. and and like you'll just be like Julio, like let's open something, anything you want, <laughs> and you're taking a look, and you're like, man, this is like seventy one Cannon single oh, vineyard geez. Cabernet, or like you know like old Wente stuff, like Gray Rieslings. All the SK stuff, V1, V2, SKs, every, anything notable that ever came out of Livermore for the last, since Julio had an opportunity to get his hands on, is down in that basement. In, Do you, sorry, I didn't mean No, to no, no, go ahead. Do you have anything, I have two bottles at home, they don't say Wenty, but it, on the label it says Wenty Bros, like B-R-O-S. No, Wente Brothers was the, was the name for a yeah. while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was it's, the name it, of the winery, Winter Brothers. It's from like in the seventies, yeah, yeah, eighties. Yeah. I yeah. was gonna say it's from the eighties. I have two yes. bottles. They say Wenty Bros, and I think yeah. it says Shannon, Shannon Blanc. Blanc. Yeah, they had Shannon Blanc, Pinot Blanc. They used to call it a uh, Pinot Chardonnay. They yeah, Pinot Chardonnay. Chardonnay. So I got later. two two bottles. I think they're from the eighties, and they say Wenty yeah. Bros, and they're Are both they Chardonnay. Full or empty. Yes, they're full. I have they're full I, bottles. I was I was going through my grandparents. Um, stuff and they have this kind of cool spot in their garage where they kept a bunch of wine and um i found two bottles that said wenty bros and they're both chenin blanc and i my my grandparents they don't they don't drink wine except for every sunday when they get this swig when they go to church right Mm -hmm. but that's for jesus but yeah so i said can i have these and and you know my grandmother's like i don't know what that is you can have that and so i have two bottles of it do you think it's what? Do, what do you think of it? Well, there is only one way. <laughs> Put them up. Yep. Sounds like we should. Glass. You could be surprised. You could be surprised. Yeah. I have, uh, I have friends that they had uh, all winty wine, uh-huh. and then when they opened the bottle, I mean, some of the whites it was just amazing. But oh, you yeah. had a hand, so if I have something from the winty winty bros, Chenin Blanc, and I, I believe it's nineteen eighty something. I mean, you had a hand in that. Certainly. Yes. We should open yeah, that. Yeah, but to, all not, of us should open that together. But at the same time, you know, the you took care of the wine. They did. It was in a cool, dark place for I don't even know sure. how long. I found it last year, and then from there, I took it and I put it in my wine fridge at home. Good. Good for you. Yeah. You're out blessed. <laughs> we need to. Uh, I think a, a, a easy future episode if we could get Claude Boba and Julio in the Julio basement. That's uh, that's something that just that just gets me excited. Season, Talk it does. season two premiere. That could be something. Competing Ooh. with Game of Thrones. Um, Julio, I want actually just Murray as Murrieta's well, um, also of 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 the Wenty conglomerate. Um, 
I don't know. Can you just educate me on Robbie Meyer? Um, if uh, you know your interactions with him thus far, I haven't, I haven't met the guy yet, and I don't know anything much more about him than just like his history and reading about him and learning about the cat. I'm excited to meet him one day, but um, in the past, you know, year, two years since he's been since he's been like producing vintage bottled vintages, um, I think he's been really coming out with like these focused Sakao and you know Marietta as well Wenty expressions of wine. Um, the qualities there, but just, I mean, can you speak to him as a winemaker, um, your engagements with him so far? Well, he's a very humble person yeah. and very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And every time we we go out for a drive in the vineyards, nice. I always learn something from him. From him. Mm-hmm. He's an authority when it comes to winemaking. I bet. So if you really want to be educated, he's one of the few persons that you can mm-hmm. ask uh, you could see his work on the wines. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you tasted that l- latest Chardonnay. His blendings on the wines and Moret as well, they're just great, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They're just, uh, the wines represent his ability. His ability is his passion. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't cut back. Mm-hmm. He wants what he wants and, and he gets what he wants. And that's uh, that's an amazing. And uh, every time he wants something done in the vineyards, you know, we, I have to go through Carl yeah. and Carl whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. So we do everything by hand. Yeah. I mean, uh, and normally I have a system that before he drives with me, I always go in, in every twenty road. I do uh, five, ten vines mm-hmm. to see if he's. He wants that guy, that type of a work, mm-hmm. and when we would drive around, we just go and stop at the every twenty road in yeah. every block. Two part question, real quick. First one's easy. Um, in relation to like a Nottingham and a Wenty, what kind of case production is Marietta as well doing? Um, and then second, um, it sounds like Robbie Meyer is, is winemaker first, but obviously you ha- like like any chef. You have to be involved with your farmers, your farming, where you're getting stuff from. It sounds like he's got a really keen eye for the farming as well. Um, if you could just elaborate on that. So um, kind of case production and Robbie Meyer's eye in the vineyard outside of winemaking. Well, he wants, he is, he's very involved in, in, in the winemaking. Mm-hmm. He's very involved in the farming mm-hmm. and the wine growing. Mm-hmm. So uh, and I understand what he wants. Mm-hmm. I want to have a good glass of wine on my hand. Mm-hmm. So I always get it. So it's good. So he's, like I said, he's an authority. Uh, authority. Yeah. And he will be your best coach for winemaking or farming. I, I hope my heart. I'm excited to meet him one day here soon. And what do you what do you think they're doing for case production? That I don't know because he's changing. The, their sales are just going up and yeah. up and up. All you need to do if you just go on a weekend that place is packed. Yeah. I, and and I have been there and just like like everybody else and I hear people like, "Oh, I didn't know they had uh, I didn't know the Moreto was in Livermore. Mm-hmm. This is my first time here and there is more and more people. Their club members is growing." Yeah. And it's very easy because of the wines. I think so. I agree. I agree. Um uh, you know, we're we're as Nottingham seller small producer here in Livermore Valley. Um you asked about case production. We're floating around 12. Uh, we've gotten quite a bit bigger, and then we, we shrunk down a little lower than that. You guys only make 144 bottles? <laughs> <Yes>. 12, <laughs> 12 cases? 12, 12 <laughs> bottles. Um, but uh, 12, we, um, 
Yeah, we're, we're as a small producer the beneficiary of when the Wentes bring in Robbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're you know all all the small producers because Wentes, uh, you know, style of information sharing and you know uh, the the you know high tides rise all ships mentality that we've talked about in the past. Um, you know what ends up happening is a guy like me gets FaceTime with a guy like Robbie. And, uh, you know, couple that with all the people that, you know, we're surrounded with every day. That's what makes Livermore Valley so great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely grateful that, that Robbie's here. I'm happy you brought that up in the well. Um, Julio, I got, I got a, kind of a, not a tough one, but I, I have a, you know, you're, you're a very smart guy and you can navigate situations well. So I wanted to get your take. Um, Dive in. Dive in. What are some of the challenges that Livermore Valley faces uh, going forward, and, and how do we as a valley get through those things uh, to, to rise to the top like we all hope? Well, the the challenge that we have, we have a lot of people coming into Livermore, mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that when they come, they live very happy, happy customers. Agreed. And there is a, a the, we have a lot of wineries in Livermore, and I would like to see some of them to really spend money Build roots mm. in their wineries. Yeah, you know, elevate Livermore. Don't leave it just to Winty. Don't leave it just to other other people. Right. You know, let's invest on what we believe. Especially if you own your own vineyard, you own your own winery. I mean, be serious about it, and and make it better for everybody. We want everybody to come to Livermore. And not just Wente. We want them to just come and have that Livermore experience. That's uh, that's huge, and kind of you know strengthens my point about you know mentorship and needing needing good strong roots. And uh, if you're a new, if you're a new winery in town or anywhere, if you're a new business in town, new restaurant, or you're new to whatever, go get yourself educated. Make yourself you know build your network of people mm-hmm. that are going to help you out. Uh, Julio, I'm sure you're a hardworking guy, and in a lot of the the successes you've enjoyed in life, you you deserve and you deserve more. But I'm sure along the way, some people have really touched your life and helped you get to where you are, right? And, and I think that you know, there's a little bit of that. Well, you know, I it's available to you if you want it, people. Mm-hmm. If you want Facetime with a guy like Julio, go check him out. If you're a new winery in town yeah, and you want to get educated on how you can do things better, go see Julio. Go see the people that are doing good things. Um, there's a lot of people coming into town, like you said. Hey, Nottingham, man, we're undercapitalized. If it was up to us, we'd have $10 million behind and we'd be building fortresses fortresses, and, and planting vineyards and, and doing everything here. Um, but every dollar that we get, every time we grow, guess what we do? We, we fix something at the facility mm-hmm. or we hire a new person. Usually Julio's the the work the person who takes the brunt of it because he's so patient with us, um, and uh, you know to Julio's point like and somebody who, who who's not just saying it who did it right this guy gave up houses rental income to go take a vineyard that was distressed guaranteed and, business right and, and turn this thing into something that's that's real that's the kind of effort it's going to take for everybody whether you're a 200 case producer to your point Jeremy about about volume. To the to the people at the top, and it's a good thing that that the Wentes are as serious as they are about it because they control a good chunk of that that twenty five hundred mm-hmm. acres that are planted. Um, so, 
God, I'm so happy you said that because that's what we need, folks. If you're if you're established here in the valley, we we know who you know you know who you are. The winemakers out there, the wine growers out there, go take some of these new folks under their wing under your wing, and, and let's 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 keep propagating good things out here, because if we keep just chugging along, all we're gonna be is a a band of warehouses with with no real communal vision and yeah, ugly paint jobs. Right? Yeah, <laughs> we just need a we just we need to keep pushing forward. So, Ulio, I'm I'm happy. I didn't even have to pull that out of you. Yeah. Well, so. the thing is, is, is if you really believe on something, you need to prove it to yourself. Right. And when I when I have my my rentals, mm-hmm. I always left twenty percent for cushing. Mm-hmm. And I always believe on that, and I still believe on that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a vineyard, put something back. Yep. If you have a winery, you know, find that twenty percent and put it back. You know. 20% of your gains. You don't don't just take it and, and, and move to another level. Like, don't forget the day before. Right. You know, they said that don't worry about the day before. Don't think too much about the future. Mm-hmm. Just think about today. Mm-hmm. But today is going to end soon. That's I always love you, man. You man. always tie it back to something so deep. Dude. Julio. Dude. Gosh. From something to nothing. From nothing to something. From something from great. Ah, oh, never mind. I butchered that. I had a really cool one liner coming up. Julio, Julio, yeah, he's been uh, from the ground up, man. Wow. I, there was one time. Can I tell the the barrel sure. story? So <laughs> Julio, you, you were so stressed. I okay. <laughs> so Julio, since then, has dropped like probably 150 just like wisdom one liners on me. <laughs> like he'll like the build up. You're like, damn, this is gonna be deep. I just have no idea where he's going, <laughs> right? And like he just has the ability to get you just interested. And so uh, I was I was a young man. It was 2010. I want to say it was vintage two, and uh, I just bought these like brand new Terenceau reference 102s, dope French oak barrels expensive wrench oak barrels mm-hmm. and uh, I'm swelling them with water getting ready to fill and I dropped the rack off the forklift the way the barrels fall the head happened to catch like a pallet jack and just dented this thing and just like and so like you know I'm like ah <laughs> I'm losing it. and like and so the first thing we do is I fill it up with water because I'm like I think it'll still hold liquid you know it's not gonna leak and so then Julio comes by and this is, he, I, he doesn't know about this or anything like that. He could just see the look on my face. I just, I just, in my mind, wasted a thousand dollars or 1200 bucks or whatever it is. And like, I'm sick to my stomach. I feel terrible. Julio comes in and I kind of, I'm like, I dropped this barrel. It hit the pallet jack. Look at this dent. He's like, is, is the water in the barrel still? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, then what's the problem? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what do you mean? He's like, hey, this barrel, it's a lot like a beautiful woman when you first start dating her. You know, she's beautiful. She's so pretty. Everything you look at, it's just so lovely. But at the end of the day, when you bring that barrel in, as long as she still goes to work every day, everything's all right. <laughs> like, literally, we just started dying. And. I'm not like for then I was just like, all right, so just the barrel make sure the barrel goes to work every day and we're good to go. <laughs> and so like I'm not kidding. I, I literally like went from like 
it was everything was going to be all right at that moment and it, it was a very <laughs> how stressed was i oh uh, it was hilarious and Kim, that on. was the first time i think he dropped one on me and then like i, I kind of started looking forward to it so can we circle back to the first time that i met julio with you guys at Sacal vineyard when we tell the story so Julio, you've had a chance to listen to a few episodes. Sure. Did you hear the one? Did you hear the one specifically about when we talked about when when he was going up and they got stuck and you know you <laughs> and lit that up, came out with Ted and cool as a cucumber. <laughs> oh my god, that was so. It took me a while to meet you, and I talked to a lot of people. And you know, after a while, there's some consistencies in what we talk about and, and like names you drop, right? And I kept hearing this Julio, 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 Julio. I'm like, who is this Julio guy? And then, you know, ultimately that day led to me meeting you. And let me just tell you, you showed up like a superhero that day. And in relation to what, like, just like dropping knowledge, but also just like solutions, experience. This man has been doing this for a long time. I'm not the first truck he kept from sliding <laughs> right? down that hill. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh, I've seen this before. He's 250, right? F-250 Ford? Yeah, we've dealt with this model before. We got Pre-2007 <laughs> yeah. body so, change. Right? And just like saved it. Uh, not only saved, like a situation that could have been very bad. You drop a barrel on the ground, there's a crack. For real, though, like small business, a thousand bucks, you don't have that to lose. Um, but just came and fixed the situation. Not only fixed and solved the situation, but just like made a day. Like made a day, like it was a part of the experience. It was part of what became that 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 whatever that wine was in that barrel it became. <laughs> yeah, you know, we filled uh, it with casa. I was supposed to fill it with something <laughs> right. else, and I was like, "This is Julio's wine." This is Julio's wine. So that is just what I man. I hope to be that one day, where just like pure hard work and experience can just solve solutions. And I don't man, I can't wait to be in that cellar and just read that history book, which is. The history of Livermore through wine. Um, I've had the luck. I've had the luxury, the privilege to taste wines. You know, dated back to the '60s from regions like Rioja, um, Burgundy, things of that nature. But one thing I've never done is had the chance to go that far back in history of wine through bottles via Livermore. And I would be honored and privileged to be able to pop a few generational wines that really, you know, made some statements and did some things for the region. Um, because what better understanding, right? That's why we look back in history books. That's why we still study the Depression and the recessions and the World War, you know. like So um, I'm excited to get that, that that honor there. I am too. Well, in to an effort in thirsty. to come in, th- I can do that. We can do that. In an effort, we're going to have, we're like, this is, it's no, there's no way we can have Julio back on. Unfortunately, we, we probably got to cut it off here pretty no. quick from a timing standpoint. The listeners want more. That's I know right. they do. And guess what? We're going to give it to them. It's, um, it's just going to be a while. That's fine. So, uh, Julio, um, number, I got two things. Uh, number one, can we do the road show in the basement with Claude if Claude is okay with it? Yes. I would try to convince him. He says no. Okay, and if not, we still we can do we it without. We still do him. it. Okay, we'll okay. still do it. So, I hope he will come. I hope he'll come too. And even if he Man. just comes to hang out and drink afterwards, that's fine yeah. too. Yeah, you know. Um, but uh, the the main thing here is wanted to give you the floor. Say anything you'd like. Promote yourself, Wentes, the brands. Uh, just what, what where can the people? How do we know about Julio other than coming to Nottingham and getting some wine and going some other places? In well. Town? I am not the importance on, in a situation like this. The importance is about people 
understanding themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, most people, they, they work hard all the time. Their goal is to have more money, to have more of this, more of that. Me, I encourage people that at the end of the day, let everything go, sit down, have a glass of wine with your girlfriend, with your wife, with, a, with somebody who you love, and just focus on that relationship. If you could do that every single day for seven days a week, I think you will find the key of happiness. And the happiness is not what you did in the day. Happiness is what you're doing at the end of the day. Because at the beginning of the day, we wake up slow. We try to get energy. We don't know where the energy went, but we find it. And as the day goes by, we have more energy, and we go, 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 go. But it has to be a time where you just have to put stop to it, open a good bottle of wine, and share with somebody you love. And that will be the peace life that we everybody deserves. And if there's any wine, Livermore has plenty of wine. I'm going to wrap it up just because I have to, but I wish we could that just end it right there. So... Folks, thank you so much for listening. What a true pleasure. Julio, thank you so much for being here, telling your story. Can't wait to continue the conversation. I'm just going to say cheers, and let's get this over with. Man, well, cheers, Thank folks. you for inviting me over. This was an it absolute was, pleasure. It was great. Um, I'm happy what you guys are doing. I hope there is more people who appreciate all the work you guys are putting into it because you guys are doing it for the love of wine. For the love of people, the love of the community. This yeah. is the difference between Livermore and other regions of the world. Yeah. Livermore is the best place to live. And if you're in Livermore or drink wine from Livermore, you are part of the best people that makes the world a better place to live. Let's go. My dude. Let's go. We're done. TTG you episode, whatever this is. Julio. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.